All righty, we are recording. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to another installment of the Frogs of War podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell, and alongside me is my co-host, Anthony North. We're very excited to get this episode going. We've been waiting a couple weeks to get through uh, this uh, this topic, if you will. we got a 2021-2022 athletics wrap-up coming at you with football, basketball, baseball, every other sport on there. We're going to kind of do a short little recap of the high and low points from their season and kind of tie it all together with just the overall outlook of TCU sports going into next year, as well as some fun superlatives from freshman of the year, locker room MVP, most improved, kind of whatever you could think of. Anthony and I have uh, awarded some fake superlatives to the Horn Frog athletes from this past year, and that's going to be it. We're going to try and keep episodes going on out for uh, from here on out, I mean, around an hour, because we realized we kind of had one that could have gone like two and a half hours, honestly, if we were really churning through it. But before we get into uh, the nitty gritty, we got a few quick news hits, starting off with some football recruiting news. Anthony, you want to go ahead and take that away? Yeah, and we've we've been teasing this episode for like three weeks, so I'm gonna keep these uh, these really quick on the <laughs> on the quick news, so we don't we don't run out of time. But yeah. Um, uh, a few new recruits since the uh, have committed since the last time we talked. So, actually, three defensive back safety uh, commitments uh, puts TCU up to number sixteen overall in the twenty four seven rankings. So, uh, adding a lot, adding a lot of talent, um, looking good. So, the three guys we got um, from Temple, Texas: Javion Wilcox, uh, three star guy. Uh, Montana Warren from Henderson, Texas, another three star, and then Jordan Lester from Mesquite, not currently ranked, no stars at the moment, but uh, has has looked good at the camps and and caught the eye of the TCU coaching staff. So um, three guys added to the defensive backfield, um, big time additions, I guess, just to to keep that um, overall number growing. Yeah. Um, you That's know, yeah, to yeah. Top 20 being top 20, even at this point, I mean, you know, some of the, what you would expect to be the big schools out there aren't, aren't there yet. Just, they don't have the numbers that the total number of commitments yet. A lot of those big change, time, yeah. five-star, four-star guys are, are not yet committing, but, um, it's still positive momentum for the Dykes era. So good to see. Yeah. Especially in the first year. And one thing I noticed too, just, I guess this is more over the years and it has a big Big part uh, just by being in the Big 12 as well. Not necessarily like an instant impact by Dykes, but like seeing that, you know, these three-star recruits are becoming like kind of the norm for TCU. Like how you mentioned Jordan Lester is unranked. Like that was kind of the oddity, but, you know, that's what TCU's used to is those unranked recruits, you know, develop, developing them, turning them into NFL prospects. Like, and I know we're in a different era because that was what Gary Patterson was so famous for, but you know, I, I like what I'm seeing, though, the fact that these three stars, these four stars are kind of more the norm now. I like being up with the big dogs. It's nice, you know, and seeing that number 16, whew, a, lot, a lot can change. You're right. Like a lot can still change. A lot of the big dogs can still get more involved. But I like that. I like. To yeah. See that. I, I mean, I think like Texas Tech is like number two in the country right now, something like that, because yeah, they have like 30 okay. guys brought in. You know, yeah. it's just, they have so many people committed that that's that's where it stands. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously not that not the final number. And, um, you know, the the one thing that, uh, like you said, finding the diamonds in the rough, I, I it will yet to be determined how, you know, do these guys are are the players that the Dykes uh, era and and this coaching staff finding 
are they the kind of players who catch their eye at SMU and that they would typically get to go to SMU or are they going to be big 12 level players? Obviously SMU has done just fine against TCU the last few years, but um, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's to be determined. And and that's kind of the, the one concern of kind of just amassing people is are uh, you know we we talked about it before about is it going to be the right people so mm-hmm. um hopefully hopefully they're bringing in the guys that can that can run their systems well and and really perform at a big 12 level and and on a national stage yeah so far so far so good i still have a lot of faith right now just in what we've seen from dykes and co so i have no reason not to trust him and you know his eye and what he's brought in so i'm liking what i'm seeing so far no nothing really further about that but in uh, other football news, we got USFL rather than incoming frogs. We got some former frogs, Pro Wells from the Philadelphia Stars and Cavante Turpin of the New Jersey Generals are facing off in the semifinals. And this is also coming off uh, this morning. Cavante Turpin was announced as the first USFL MVP since Herschel Walker won the award back in 1985. So pretty good company to uh, to be next to, but... I don't know. Have you been following the USFL majorly this year? No, got to say yeah, not at all. You know, I, I, I see uh, when somebody retweets a, a Turpin highlight or something like that, I might see that. But um, yeah, I, I can't say that I've kept up with it or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in any uh, USFL fantasy leagues or anything like that. <laughs> no. Yeah. When the league like first dropped, I remember I was so excited just because, you know, there's going to be football on in the spring, but I ended up maybe watching one quarter and that was that you know like i would rather probably watch a regular season baseball game rather than kind of a random right. usfl game but yeah you're right like it was cool to see the occasional highlights of uh turpin you know seeing pro wells name mixed in there so i don't necessarily have a prediction uh <laughs> as i'd like to but i would go ahead my gut tells me the generals would win just because i know they're like nine and one i think out of yeah they seem schedule. they seem to be the best team they have yeah. the, the player of the year so yeah yeah and and you know i i think there's plenty we could say or or don't need to talk about about Cavante turpin and his time yeah. at tcu and and right after tcu but you know it's it, good for him that he's gotten this chance and, and he's, he's taken advantage of this opportunity in professional football to, to really put himself on display at, at this level. And, and, you know, maybe it, it leads to getting an opportunity at, in an NFL camp uh, sometime this summer and, and see what he can do there. Yeah. Yeah. There's been plenty of XFL guys to, you know, get the call. So I wouldn't be too surprised if this off season, maybe not like Turpin specifically, but just in general, if these USFL guys would get uh you know, call up to camp for the NFL. I wouldn't be too surprised. All right. And then we got some quick uh, baseball news as well. Coach Mo got called up. Assistant coach is now the head coach at Ohio State. Big loss uh, for TCU. But honestly, congratulations. He, he deserved it. You know, it, it's nice to see him get a head coaching job, but it's a tough loss for the Frogs. Yeah, there's there's no doubt it's it's well deserved and and no doubt that it'll be a, a big shoes to fill for by Kirk Sarlos there. I mean, it's uh he he's he's the hitting coach and he's he you can always see the improvement when when guys get on campus from you know their early years to by the time they're leaving TCU that <clears throat> just the improvement you you know that they're getting so much better with that coaching and uh, so Buckeyes get a good one. Um, you know, I think. 
Big Ten baseball is is not quite the same as Big Twelve baseball, but um, you know maybe he can compete with with Michigan up there and and kind of jump back into the tournament again, where where that program has not really been particularly relevant um, at a national stage um, in a, in a while. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity. You know, you can kind of gives them a chance to bring the program back up or, you know, bring them up to greatness. So I, I think it's a good opportunity. Like he can really kind of showcase his skills as a coach there. So, all right. And then also grad transfer. Uh, we got Sam Stoutenboro from California. Anthony, you, you uh, put this in there. So I'll go ahead and let you uh, cover that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mostly just we uh, TCU Horn Frogs definitely need some additions to the pitching staff. So good mm-hmm. to see that you're getting some an experienced arm and you know his his stats out of the Pac-12 um, were were really solid. You know he's he, I don't I don't know that he comes in and is a, a weekend starter or or Friday starter right away, but um, any kind of depth to add and and um, whatever TCU may lose through this offseason into the MLB draft. Um, kind of backfill some of that depth. So good to see uh, um, bringing in some some significant talent. Yeah, depth. I mean, depth can never <clears throat> hurt you, you know. So definitely a good piece to have. And then last but not least in the baseball world, not necessarily TCU related, but how about those Sooners heading to the College World Series final? They just beat AM 5 to 1 today. And I got to say, I'm surprised, but also like, not really, you know, Oklahoma got hot, you know, everybody was kind of talking about them as maybe a little sleeper pick and they were right. They were the sleeper pick. Here they are. And they haven't slowed down as soon exactly. as, you know, postseason flipped to the postseason, and, you know, they ran through the big 12 tournament ran through now, at, you know, regional super regionals into college world series final. Um, yeah. I mean, good for them. You know, I, I think it's, it's deserved. It's not like they're uh, they're out there making you know any kind of they're not a fan base i don't think that that frog fans have a huge uh disdain for at least on the baseball side yeah, so I was gonna say, you especially know. for baseball yeah not not really because like again i always find myself kind of wanting to root for the big 12 but also like you i'm rooting for oklahoma right now like this is yeah. disgusting you know but with baseball i don't know i haven't really felt that much animosity towards the sooners i really have no ill will i guess on, on the flip side, they eliminated the Aggies, and so that's that's great. Yeah, um, that is that's good. Well, <laughs> again, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that one as well because you know it's like Schlossnagel, like not torn. No, not <laughs> torn. No, uh, it w- it would have been. I, I don't know that I I could have handled it if Schlossnagel goes and wins the national right. championship at, in his first year at A and M, which included taking tcu out of the way you honestly know? yeah you're right when you put it that I, way yeah I, I i don't think i wouldn't have been too happy with that so not having to deal with that at all it's i'm just i'm just glad it's uh it's out not the aggies yeah just you know if if he gets one in the future you know more power to you i think this season though it would have it would have stung a lot you're, yeah i guess you're right probably would have stung just because that could have been us you know it could have been us but I also feel pretty confident that, you know, we this is a whole nother episode we could go into, but if that ninth inning doesn't happen, TCU is still in Omaha right, right now. there. Yeah. That's, that's that's all I'm saying. But 
All right, let's go ahead and get into it before we delay it any longer. The 2021-2022 wrap-up. So we're going to start with a uh, big hitter. If you've been following along on the uh, website, got a few blogs up so far. I think soccer and volleyball. And then I have a, a rifle one being posted tonight. Well, I guess I don't know what the correct terminology would be if this is going up tomorrow morning. So you'll just check out the website. You know, you'll see we got a rifle recap coming up from their season where they were runners up and air rifle national champions. So we're going to start with a big hitter, though. We're going to go football, basketball, baseball, get the uh, the big three kind of out of the way before we get into some of the non-revs. So for, without further ado, football season. Uh, not, not so great. Could have been worse, I guess. But more so than the on-field stuff was the off-field stuff, I guess, kind of took the crown with this past season with uh, Gary Patterson departing, Sonny Dykes coming in. But I don't know. If you had to describe the football season in one word, how would you describe it? I mean, disappointing. Not yeah. one word, but end of an era. That's yeah, that's honestly, yeah, you're right. That's you're right. where we are. I mean, we, we, you know, the TCU had spent, you know, pro- probably your entire life Gary Patterson was the, the only head coach ever for, for TCU football. So, uh, end of quite an era and, but you know, the performance on the field, that's, that's what it was warranted. I mean, is this is one of the worst defenses in the country last year. And when, when Gary Patterson defensive wizard is your head coach and he puts out that kind of, um, effort it, you know, that, this is something that could happen. And, and it started right from the start. I mean, when the Cal bears came to town and that's not a very good football team and very nearly ran TCU off the, off the field. Yeah. Uh, it was scary things to come for the season. Yeah. And going back to that, you're right. Cause Patterson literally took over his coach, like, three months or four months after I was born. So yeah, literally my whole life, I have known nothing other than Gary Patterson. So you're right. And you're also right about the cow um, because opening the season, that was kind of like, Hey, you know, we get a power five team coming into town should be a pretty easy win based off, you know, Cal's record the past couple seasons, we should be able to handle business. We got the win, but it wasn't pretty, you know, Cal put up what, like 400 something yards through the air. Their quarterback had a ridiculous game. Maybe not 400, but they had a they had a great game in the in the air, and it was a little scary because you're like, yeah, where where did this defense go? And I know we lost guys like Wallow and Trevon Merrick, but with Gary Patterson, you never really have to worry about the defense. But that was honestly, if I had to say one thing, our defense was like truly the most inconsistent aspect of the of the team all year because. The run defense would just give up 60-yard plays randomly. The secondary was battling injuries all the time, and Noah Daniels, somewhat off-field issues that were never really disclosed. Like, he was just gone for some games. So, like, it was definitely frustrating. Um, Just going off, I guess, we're talking about the era. So, overall in the era, frustrating to see that that defense just not be able to come through. Because even with Patterson, you've seen a defense struggle, but then they find their way. Like, he he gets his guys in order. He gets – his systems in, in place, but it just didn't happen. Yeah. It, and, and, you know, I don't, we don't need to go through the whole schedule, but yeah, that followed right out right after that was the SMU game. And yeah. 
I mean, <clears throat> you know, you you lose to SMU again and look pretty much hapless doing it. I mean, the, the score maybe wasn't pretty. wasn't so bad, but I mean, you gave up 42 points to SMU. You know, pretty, yeah. you just can't do that and and um TCU didn't really seem like they even wanted to be there. Almost it was like right. uh it was a it was a shutdown and then you know it kind of started slinging things around once they were down and and it, at that point it was it was gone. Um and so and it, uh, that happens a lot with these like frustrating seasons cuz there's been a few over like the past, you know, decade of being in the Big 12. There's been one here or there, but it seems like a lot of these games we lose you know, we don't often get blown out, even if it's against a good team. You know, we could go into Norman against a top team, top 10 Oklahoma team. Chances are we'll lose by one or two possessions. You know, like we we don't often get blown out. And a lot of the losses really seem like it's too little too late. You know, like we they finally started slinging it or they finally started calling plays that aren't rinky dink behind the line of scrimmage screens for three mm-hmm. yards, you know. So but then it's like, well, guys, why didn't we do this before there were six minutes left on the clock, you know? And I think that is a large, largely in part because of Gary Patterson, though. I think that was kind of just his style. He had a little bit too much faith in, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but tra- traditional coaching tactics, like, you know, not risking it on fourth down and trusting your defense, you know, like letting the time go because you don't need to use a timeout yet. Like, yeah, it's yeah. The, some, the, the punts at like the, you know, you it's like fourth and three at like the 40 yard line. Yes. The plus yeah, exactly. 40 or something. And oh, yeah, let's punt it through the end zone. Great. Good. You got, you got like, like 20 yards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so. Stuff like that. The, the, and, and, you know, I think we're specifically talking about the, the 21 season. Yes. And it was not good. And so it, it's going to sound like we've got a lot of, um, negativity uh around <laughs> Gary Patterson and around the team and and you know I think maybe someday we'll do a whole retrospective on on the Patterson era or something but like that's that's not what we're doing today this is just this last season's team that was very obviously a disappointment and and there's no real other way to talk about it yeah, and it's mostly – it's not like, you know, we're knocking Patterson's entire era. Obviously, we appreciate and are thankful for everything that man did for the program. But it's like we're so used to that gold standard of Patterson that, like, this year was all the more frustrating because, you know, you talk about the SMU game, they looked kind of like lost puppies. But I think the worst was Kansas State. Uh, and, I mean, that's – right after that was when Patterson – that all went down. But – and deservedly so, I think, because that game was just brutal. What was the final score? Like, we, we didn't even score a touchdown that game, I don't think. 31 yeah. to 12. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. 31 12. That's, yeah. You can't have that against Kansas State, who was an average team at best, you know? Like, they're they're not spectacular, especially whenever you have teams like OU in the conference. And, and you know, it's it may be a little bit of some of the changing of the guard of the the kind of coaches that Patterson was going up against because like you know right yeah. in in the old days of he could figure out Bill Snyder he could figure out you know all the the string of SMU coaches but he never could figure out Sonny Dykes he never could figure out Chris Kleiman Lincoln um, Riley he Lincoln Riley completely yeah. baffled um you know it, 
so I, you know I, that's where uh, that new that new generation of coaches that came in kind of had him fooled and yeah. and he he couldn't adapt um, or wasn't able to adapt in time before it completely fell apart. Yeah, it just kind of goes back to that that kind of little bit of stubbornness, not wanting to change, you know, the traditional coaching ways and not to bring up the new big 12, but I think like if he were to stay, it would have really been exposed as well with a guy like Luke fickle coming in, you know, yeah. he's fickles almost like cream of the crop when it comes to the new newbies that are bringing new tactics to and new systems to uh college football. So, yeah, you know, you say that, but I think, I think uh, the other three Malzon and BYU. Yeah, Mal- you're right. Malzon and, is and, more of a traditionalist. Yeah. yeah and oh, what's his name? Ken Niamana Lolo. I'm sorry. I don't know. The BYU coach. And, yeah. uh, and um, try. Dana Holgerson, who, Holgerson, who yeah. you know, Patterson had plenty of success against Holgerson. So yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think he would have, I think it would have been fine against, against those old school guys, but yeah, Fickle probably would have eaten him alive. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because Malzahn is definitely still a little – he's honestly a little too old school for UCF. I'm surprised, you know, like it was an interesting pairing when it happened, but it is what it is. But, hey, highlight of the season, though. I know we're talking all down right now. We got it. Let's talk a little, little positive. We beat Baylor. We were the reason that Baylor was not in the college football playoff, and that's, that's a win. Yeah, you know, I, I think – Baylor has had a lot of success as a an athletic program, basketball, women's basketball, and, and football over the uh, the last few years, and and it's 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 really uh, frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for what can probably be said, their their best season in program history for football, uh, they lost to the worst team of the Gary Patterson era. That. <laughs> got got the longtime head coach fired so in the first without game patterson without the first there. game without yeah. gary patterson i was about to say uh, yeah with cherry kill as head coach <laughs> so it, it, yeah uh probably they tcu doesn't win that game if if patterson's still the coach maybe they're you know I don't know, but yes, very exciting to to get a win over over a good baylor team that ended up being the thing probably that kept them out of the playoff. Um, you know, we're yeah, talking, nice we're talking, how, we're talking down on TCU, but you know, if, if on your resume, your resume includes a loss to a, a very bad TCU team, you, you can't make the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it would have been nice to at least uh, have made a, a bowl game, get one more win, go six and six. But, you know, for me too, as a student, because I, you know, that was my last Baylor game. And I remember I had, I had to decide because I'm also, I was on the club ultimate Frisbee team and we had like a travel tournament. So it was either I go with the team to the tournament or I go to Baylor TCU. And I'm like, guys, this is my last Baylor game. I'm going like, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not playing. So best decision I ever made. That was awesome. I think I that's what swung it. I think, I think your presence <laughs> in the, in the Carter is what swung the game. And, uh, guided that uh that fourth quarter pass to to shadrack banks to, oh to uh i'll never forget that end too. it because i i was uh, i worked that game for frogs of war i was up yeah. in the press box tweeting it and 
Afterwards, I literally ran down, made a little appearance on the field before I ran up to the press conference just because I had to experience you it. Had to, but, you had to storm the field, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, I can't. I was just watching it, just remembering like, well, shoot, they're going to get a field goal. Here it goes. To yeah. do it. Here we go. And like, why in the world would he throw that? I don't know. It was the football gods handing it to TCU saying, here you go. This one's yours. So no complaints there, but... Yeah, I guess we've already really hit kind of the main points with Gary Patterson and, and everything. Next year, a little bit of a 2022-2023 look ahead. We've teased it here and there over the past few episodes just with, uh, you know, recruiting news and the Dykes era and everything. But one thing we haven't really talked about is the quarterback situation, which I'm curious to get your take because it seems like everybody's a little spread out everywhere based on like, I think our polls that we did a month or so back had like the majority on Duggan, but it, a solid amount on Chandler Morris and like 8% on Sam Jackson. So interesting yeah, to see. it's, it's a split, uh, it's split out there. And, you know, I think from all the, the reports from camp, they're both getting looks at, at, at with the first team. Um, we'll see what fall looks like, uh, you know, if, if we get to go check out, uh, fall camp as well, but, um, through the spring, they're both getting shots, Chandler Morris and Max Duggan, um, you know, Chandler got that shot in the Baylor game and, and it's, it's legendary. Um, but you know, is, is that the kind of thing where he can, he can lead a team through a season? I don't know. Um, and Duggan has has shown a lot of inconsistencies in a lot of ways, but man, he's looked elite in in a lot of plays as well. Moments, so yeah. it's his if he can clean up the some of the accuracy stuff, and and maybe just the way this new offense comes in will help him a lot. You know, um, getting ball out quicker, not just kind of chuck it up to to QJ and hope he comes down yeah. with it, which you know works a lot of times. That's that works sometimes, and you but that's not really Max Duggan can't hit that every time. That's what I was just about to um, say. And then the other time it doesn't work. The ball's like 10 yards. It's way, way gone. Yeah. Or sometimes there's somebody running wide open in the end zone. I think it was a West Virginia game. He, he missed a couple wide open touchdowns and it's just like, you, you can't, can't, can't have that if yeah, you, if you, you want to compete. So uh, it, it's going to be a, a debate. Th- probably into through the season, uh, you know, whatever choice is made, whether it's the right choice or not. Um, it'll be fun to see. I mean, I think you've, you've got two strong candidates, mm-hmm. but, but you know, it's, it's one of those, you have two or you have none kind of things it is, is either of them the elite guy that's going to go get you an opportunity to maybe sneak into the big 12 championship. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see to be determined. Yeah, so my take is, like, Duggan, for me, you know, he's been a three-year starter. He has – and it's really hard to pull somebody after three years of being a starter, you know, to be the backup. Like, to me, Duggan hasn't done anything wrong to, like, deserve getting pulled. He hasn't been that bad or anything. He's just been pretty – he's been a game manager with his flashes, like you said. Like, he's had his moments, but for the majority, he's kind of a game manager, does what he needs to do. Um but then, you know, Morris, he's only proved himself one time. So it's kind of hard to just judge it off one game. But it's it was a really exciting game and a really a big game. So would he be able to do that again? 
I just don't know whether or not you can pull Duggan because of kind of how much he's given you over the past three years. But I'm going to go a little bit of a long shot here. And I am one of those people that thinks we need to give Sam Jackson a shot. I kind of want to see what Sam Jackson's about. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we need to know more. And And I know the coaching staff obviously knows more than me. So, like, if they're repping Morris and Duggan, then that's probably the correct thing to do. But there's just that part of me, you know, watching Jackson's highlight reel from high school, he's he's electric. So he's a fun player to watch. I don't know. It's the kind of thing of, like, everybody's favorite player is the backup quarterback. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I see it. So it, it's it's uh, it's a lot easier to be, you know, Chase Daniels in the NFL and and spend you know whatever fifteen years as a backup and play like two games and make a hundred million dollars than it is to <laughs> than it is to to go out there and and take the hits on the field. So yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna stick with max just that's not yeah if i had to name a starter i'm naming max duggan the starter right yeah now. yeah and and yeah if it's hey give him a shot out there um in in our fcs game yes. get him get him a, a full quarter of work hopefully you're up enough that you you can really uh split the reps that way that would be fantastic my my ideal scenario for the season is i want max to start but i want max to to earn it in game, like not only earn it, you know, in practice, which obviously he's going to, if he's going to start the season, but like if he doesn't play, you know, up to standards for like the first two, three games, then I think you have to leave it open, you know, leave, like, like you said, you know, give Chandler Morris or Sam Jackson a quarter against the FCS team, because, you know, if in the next two games, Duggan isn't getting it done, then it's not too bad to bring in those other guys. Cause they kind of got their feet wet a little bit. So but overall, though, yes, uh, Duggan, I think you got to go with Duggan as a starter right now. He's His moments are huge, though. Like, his spectacular moments are spectacular. Like, you know, he, he does things that probably not a lot of people could do, especially with his feet. So, yeah, and, and I'll it. just, yeah, I'll just say, I mean, yes, Chandler won that big game, and it was a very emotional, ex- exciting, thrilling performance. But we've seen TCU quarterbacks who have – stepped up in that position in the past. And I, I don't think, you know, Bram Kohlhausen, uh, in, in the Alamo <laughs> yeah, bowl, right. you right. know, uh, uh, Grayson Muelstein sometimes out there. I, I don't Foster think Sawyer, <clears throat> Foster Sawyer. Yeah. So like we've had those guys step in and, and do stuff like that before, but I don't think at any point where, where you thinking, Oh, this was definitely better than having that. That's a great point. Yeah. Somebody right. else out there. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stick with Max until uh, until fully proven otherwise. Which you know, I'm I'm open to uh, to the debate. Yeah, I'm I'm open to it. Yeah, gotta go, Max. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, so I think that's really all we got for unless there's anything else for 2020 to 2023 look ahead. You want to give a record prediction? Oh man, it's it's too early for that. I've, I, we've we've we're gonna have to. That'll be a full uh, full podcast, several okay. podcasts, probably worth of content right there. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll I think go through the schedule. And my my quick, that. yeah, my quick look ahead is I've already seen that TCU is a seven and a half point favorite over Colorado to open the season. Uh, I like that. G- give me the frogs, man. We're covering that. That's that's not enough points. Uh, TCU should be uh, should win that game by by two touchdowns. I like that a lot. Yeah. I try to stay away 
from betting the frogs. Some, That's just it. That is not a, that is not gambling advice. That is no, uh, my current opinion in June. We're just <laughs> analyzing the the number. Yeah, yeah the yeah. number perspective of the game. You know, obviously, yeah. So, alrighty though. Uh, moving on now to basketball. Pretty big season. Obviously, got our first NCAA tournament win since 1987. Things are turning around in Fort Worth. Uh, hashtag, we got hashtag trust the process. Anthony threw in the notes, which is very true. Um, over the past five, six years, you know, with Dixon coming in, been some question marks, been some struggles in the Big 12, but trust the process has worked out. You know, this year, this past year was huge for TCU, put us on the map. A lot of people have us in their AP top 10, like way too early preseason top 25, top 10 even I've seen. Uh, like we said on last episode, Joe Lenardi has us as a four seed in next year's tournament. So the Frogs are on the map now when it comes to basketball. No doubt about it. And <clears throat> yeah, it's the Dixon era has been a bit of a roller coaster, yeah. a, a bit, you know, we've, you win the NIT tournament and that's, that's thrilling um, as, you know, for TCU fans at the time, that was that was awesome. That was pretty incredible. TCU hadn't even played in the NIT in in years. So, um, and, and then it make the tournament and lose, and a lot of years not in the tournament or not even close. And so there there was um you know there was a pretty loud uh you know beating drum behind Dixon of it something needed to happen this season and and. There were times during the season where it looked like it wouldn't. Um, yeah, right. You know that's some of the, some of those losses. I mean, uh, losing to to Tech, getting blown out at home to Texas was was really bad. Um, losing to Especially Kansas State, all the hype. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, kind of getting blown out by Santa Clara in like the fourth game of the season. Um, there's a there's a lot of concern there, and there were a lot of moments where it felt like. All right, well, here's the spot where they start folding. All right, here's the here's the moment where uh okay, yeah, the the big bad other teams in the Big 12 are going to take over and and then that kind of thing just didn't happen. Um yeah. You know, I, I think the the next game after that terrible <clears throat> Texas blowout um was LSU. And it that's where it's like, "Oh man, the the upcoming schedule is about to get really gnarly." Uh, this, this could just completely fall apart. We're yeah, going to be off like the a, bubble and it's gone. It's all over. Yeah. And they come back and win that LSU game. And, you know, at that time, LSU was, they ended up making the tournament and they were a really good team. But at the time they were like in the top 20 and uh, one of the top defensive teams in the country. And you put it, twin. TCU put it on them. And, uh, you know, those, <laughs> The announcers couldn't stop talking about the LSU players. I, I don't know if it was like the SEC network guys or something, but they just could not stop talking about the NBA prospects of so-and-so and this and that. And it's just like, all right, all right. You know, there's another team on the court that's winning by 15 points. Um, but that that was uh, – I, I think that game really gave some some emotion to the team that it was like, oh, yeah, we could go take down these big dogs. Yeah. And, um you know, because some of the early conference games, uh, I think you st start with Baylor 
and, and like, okay, well, Baylor's number one in the country, and you know, you could give them a run for their money, and and we played well the first half, and and it it looks great, and you're right there, and then you know, it just time runs out it's on you, kind of. Yeah, that's that's how it's gonna go, and so to to get that LSU win, and then uh, you know, the back to back court stormings, uh, top ten wins Texas, at home. Kansas over Texas Tech in Kansas, I mean, it, it kind of – it doesn't get much more exciting than that. I mean, the Schollmeyer rocking, packed with people, student section, shout out the student section. I mean, when when I was a student way back in forever ago, it was like me and three other guys in the student section, you know, watching the games. It was like – it was a ghost town. Um, there, there were probably, you know, I don't know, more people in the library. Um <laughs> But so that was, it's exciting to see that. And then to, to take those and, and go win those games. I mean, uh, had every opportunity to lose those games and, but winning them put this team and this program on a trajectory that um, could bring to heights TCU's never achieved. Yeah. I, I, it gave him so much confidence to like just going into those next games with the big dogs, but yeah, about the uh, the student section and everything. That, that was my freshman and sophomore year, honestly, too. Mostly for, like, because obviously when we play UT, that's going to fill the house. Like, when we play OU, people are going to come, uh, even if it's a lot of Oklahoma fans or even if it's a lot of UT fans. But, you know, I would be at the games where we played Alabama State. And, yeah, we're going to win by 30. But, you know, I'm trying to see what we got. Like, I'm trying to see who's who's the bench players, who's going to – what's the rotation going to be like, you know? Like, um and then, yeah, you're right. This past year, almost every game as a student was like, if you're not there 30 minutes to an hour early, you're going to have to look for a seat. I remember the UT game, although it was just gravely disappointing, uh, the, the student section was completely full. And I got there late and I had to go find a seat elsewhere. And then I got kicked out because somebody had tickets in the seat. And then I ended up standing in the hallway and watching from there. So like, it's been crazy, and a lot of it. Um, shout out too, because like Barcelona TCU did a lot to get the uh, the students involved. So that was pretty cool to see the Scully packed almost on a weekly basis. But also with the whole uh, Jamie Dixon concept, I think you're totally right that he was somewhat. I don't want to say all the way in the hot seat coming into this year, but there 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 was a little bit of tensions that something needed to happen because after we got that NIT win. It's almost like, well, TC basketball hasn't done anything for so long. And then now we got Jamie Dixon, who to us is like a messiah. Like he's a former Horn Frog legend. And now he's coming back to his alma mater. Like we expect big things out of him. He gave us the NIT championship. So now we're almost like, all right, here we go. Let's do it. Like our basketball team's good. And then those couple years of, you know, losing the first round in the tournament, then not making the tournament, it was almost like, all right, well, is is he the guy? And I have had full faith in Jamie Dixon the whole time. Uh, and I, I'm very, I was very happy to see it kind of come to fruition this year, even with, and the most impressive part was that there was eight transfer players on the roster. Eight, over half the roster was transfer players, their first year in the system, first year playing together. And Dixon had his best year at TCU as a coach, in my opinion. I guess you could say the NIT championship may have been a better year, but. I think this year overall, I have to say it was the best. 
Well, the team was certainly better this year. I, I yes. think this team definitely beats that team if if you're facing off head to head. But uh, yeah, and and I think you said it with the transfers. Finally, Dixon seemed to be able to to figure out and navigate the the transfer situation for the better for TCU. I think transfers were just killing the frogs over the last few years. I mean, Kendrick Davis. You know, Jaylen even Fisher. even Jalen Fisher, Caden Archie, um, yeah, PJ Fuller. It, it's it, it's just it seemed like every guy who was like, all right, this could be the guy, was then gone. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it was like, what's so, going on here? You know, like what, what's what's happening? It, it, it the felt scenes? like a little yeah. bit of like, is there a culture thing going on? Exactly. What's, what is the deal that Dixon can't get the guys that he wants and then get them to stay? Um, so yeah, that was it was concerning for for several years. And then to to bring in what were were definitely ended up being the right guys this year with with PV and Damian Ball um, coming in, Emmanuel Miller coming in, you know, role players like Cork and Jacoby Coles played a big role. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all these guys that meshed as a team, and and to bring those kind of all these guys from all over, bringing them together and and to play as a team. It, it was huge. And I think that's what there's, there's been so little consistency for him year to year, even during a single season that now we see it going into next season where it's basically the entire team back. You lose Francisco Farabello and that's it mm-hmm. off of, um, off of a team that was, you know, a couple seconds away from the sweet 16. Uh, there's no way to say it other than the expectations are, are sky high going into next year. Yeah. It's, it's weird to think that, you know, we're kind of expecting a sweet 16 bid, but I think with the team we have, with the way we've retained the roster, I don't think that's too much to ask, honestly. Like, like you said, I, I think the, the sky's the limit with this group. It's, it's really nice to see though, overall, just the program really tied together this year, I feel like. And a large portion, if we're talking about culture and everything, you know, obviously we don't know what happens behind the scenes in the locker room, like with, with Dixon those past few years, but Eddie Lampkin this year played a huge part just in the team culture, you know, building the community with the fans, even like he was the fan favorite for a reason. I mean, he was just hilarious. He gave so much effort on the court. He got so much better from last season. I mean, last season he, saw the court maybe a couple minutes, a couple times all season. And this over the offseason, lost like 75 pounds, was a starter, one of the best big men in the Big 12. So you got to give credit where credit's due. I think Eddie, although his stats weren't like eye-popping, oh my goodness, like they were good stats. And he, I think emotionally, and he has those intangibles that kind of just help the team get somewhere they haven't been before. So, and then also you can't really – can't discredit Mike Miles just playing like a future NBA superstar for the season long. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Miles is the man. Uh, and, and Eddie Lampkin, I mean, just like th- maybe the most loved TCU athlete <laughs> ever. That I could think of. Like, yeah. I don't know, maybe Josh Doxson. I, I don't know. Ooh. Like it, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. He's, he's no question a, a, a superstar for, uh, for the fans of the frogs and, and yeah, absolutely put in the work and it paid off. I mean, he's, he has 
remade his game, remade his body, and remade the TCU basketball program. Yeah, dude, he he hustles too. Like for his size too, he'll be scrapping for the loose balls and everything. Like, you know, a lot of times it can get confused. Like some players, you know, have I don't know disrespectful tendencies. Like if they dunk on somebody, they'll be like like tap their head or something. No, like Eddie just hypes himself up. Like no matter what, he's he's never he's never talking to anybody. If somebody you know talks mess to him, he might say something and just walk away. He's never really gotten any issues, but he just. He'll dunk on somebody and be like, ah, like, <laughs> so he's just that kind of guy. Like, it's just hard not to love him. But overall for basketball, uh, retaining the big three with uh, Miles Baugh and O'Bannon in the backcourt is it's going to be big, um, mostly for experience sake, because O'Bannon, very seasoned veteran at this point, Miles coming into his third year. You know, I was – I'm just very thankful we have Mike Miles for another season. You know, I was nervous we would get him for one year after as well as he played his freshman year. So to have a season like that and to come back, Miles is just trying to put on for his city, man. He wants to, win, it. wants to win something for Fort Worth. Unfinished but, business. Let's, yes, let's make it happen. All righty, though. And now moving on, last but not least of the big three sports on campus, we got the baseball team, which is probably – the most fresh in our minds because of uh, what just transpired earlier this month. But again, another big off uh, off field story was kind of took the cake uh, this season with Kirk Sarloos taking over as first year head coach. And of course we have another off field story with the whole Jim Schlossnagel matchup, which we've talked enough about, but overall uh, I, I think we have to call this season a big success because the frogs were predicted to finish like fourth or fifth in the conference. They won the damn thing. Uh, didn't necessarily do too hot in the tournament, but it's baseball stuff happens. So getting that conference title with a first year head coach, huge, huge and retaining most of the players. Like, come on. Yeah. It, it really felt like, okay. TCU is, is here for the long haul as a, as a baseball program. It's, it's not just about one guy or one player or one, you know, recruiting class or anything like that. It's, it's, uh, it's a sustained success now over, over multiple periods of time that, uh, you know, someday we'll, we'll be back in Omaha and, and maybe, maybe lift another big trophy, but, but for this season to to turn out the way it did, I think exceeded e- even the most optimistic of of expectations to uh, come out and win the Big Twelve and and you know get to the postseason and and uh, you know it, it it's really tough to lose the way you do in a ninth inning, um, kind of giving it away in in College Station, but. You know, it like you said, it's it's baseball stuff happens, and and there's there's definitely the uh, the roots of of a very strong future uh, for the program. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. Kind of how it's not one guy. Like, although you know, Schlossnagel deserves a ton of credit for what he did for the program. Uh, I agree. This definitely proved that you know TCU is just a good baseball program. Like at this stage, you know. We could be considered a blue blood if you want to reach a little bit, maybe, uh, especially over the past two decades. I would say we've got to be up there. But, yeah, you can't – couldn't have asked for a better season, really. Um, well, I guess you could have. But you got to just – you got to take your wins. You know, like we, we made it to the postseason. We made it 
with the conference title. We had some guys have a hell of a season. Braden Taylor, Tommy Sacco, you name it. Marcelo Perez, who and now we might lose Crobe and Cornelio to the draft. Who knows what's going to happen? But like just a ton of guys that had, that had great years. So I don't have much to say other than I'm just happy with the way it turned out, especially after, you know, the middle of the season where there were a ton of doubts, you know, we dropped a few games. We really shouldn't have dropped, like lost that West Virginia series, which was very frustrating. And, you know, I remember even the fans on our ask the fans polls, we said, is TCU baseball going to win it, win the conference this year? Over half the people said not our year. So it's nice to see that bounce back. You know, they didn't give up or quit ever, even after a few frustrating losses. Those series wins, you know, like against Oklahoma State were just absolutely massive and against Tech, just huge. So I think you just got to take this as a, a, a great season that didn't end in our favor. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, and it turns out losing a series to Oklahoma, maybe maybe not as disappointing as, right? as we probably thought at the time. So. Yeah. Right. Turns yeah. out they were about to go on a on an insane run. Crazy so. run, yeah. And then 2023 look ahead. We've kind of already talked about it for the most part. Um, but just to summarize, the frogs they're returning most of their roster. Like I said, you know, Crobe Cornelio have MLB potential. Who knows? Gray Rogers is, is unfortunately done with the frogs, but uh who knows what happens with the transfer portal? They've already brought in a couple guys, you know, like we mentioned, the cow pitcher. Uh, the Baylor transfer, uh, but probably going to still need to bring in maybe one or two more pitchers for next season. So, yeah, the, the pitching staff is where you probably need the, the transfer portal to, to produce something. I mean, yeah, yeah. Trey Richardson from Baylor transfer in a uh, middle infielder. That's he's going to be huge. He's going to be, he's going to be a stud for TCU next year. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I think that's where, that's the biggest hole to, to fill, especially if, if all three of those starting pitchers uh, turn pro, then, then yeah, you, you're looking to, to fill a hole that was already kind of a, a short depth and maybe a weak spot on, on the roster already. Yeah. So hoping, you know, like the cow transfer that we mentioned earlier, I uh, hope Sam Stottenborough can work out for us in that aspect, but it would be nice to see yeah, at least maybe one or two more guys come in. But in terms of pitching, I trust Sarlus. I mean, Sarlus oh, yeah. is the pitching guy. Like I trust him to figure it out. Um, so just got to give him time. It was only his first year. So, all right. And then I think that's it for baseball. You got any, any other major points? No, we hit it. Yeah. We've been talking about baseball for the last couple of weeks anyway. So, all right, on to uh, the rest. We got soccer, big season for soccer. They uh, made it all the way to the Sweet 16 this year, but rounded out uh, losing to the number one seed, Rutgers. It was another great season. It seems like TCU soccer has also kind of fought their way into that blue blood discussion over the past decade because they're one of only, I think, like 16 teams to make the past five NCAA tournaments, and they've now made seven in a row. So Eric Bell knows what he's doing. He came in, took the team over 10 years ago, and they would maybe finish 500, maybe above 500 at best. And now they're expecting conference championships. So <laughs> Eric Bell has done a hell of a job, uh, even in you know recruiting in the transfer portal. Like this year, Jenna Weinbrenner, I believe she was she transferred from Creighton. 
Um, she was huge from the transfer portal. She was all region, went on to get drafted by the KC Current. And then, you know, you got the freshman, Cameron Lancaster, Ollie Pena, just huge pieces to what the Frogs had going on this year. Um, uh, TC, though, going backtracking a little bit. So they did win the regular season Big 12 title, also won the Big 12 tournament. And I I thought we got snubbed a little bit. Were you were you following with like the whole selection oh, yeah. committee and everything? Yeah, because I thought we got snubbed a little bit. Yeah, and, and got got thrown into a regional that, uh, yeah, the way the bracket set up was going to be super difficult uh, for the Frogs with with kind of, yeah, that lower seed than should have been. No doubt about it. Yeah, because the we were, I think, ranked number two or number three overall going into the selection. Yeah. And, and then, then and then four. won and then won the Big Twelve tournament. So it's not yeah. like it's not like oh well they were ranked number two, but then like kind of they they got washed out in their tournament. No, no, took down Texas in the title game. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't have done any more to 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 climb higher. And yeah, we're we're not granted that uh, favor from the committees. Like uh, seems to be a common theme in in TCU across all sports. Yeah, so. I mean, it was frustrating, but if anybody had a chance, like TCU had a chance against Rutgers, I wasn't necessarily like, oh, shoot, now we have to play Rutgers. Because obviously they're a good team. They got the number one seed, but TCU was just as good. So first round was a dominant, I think it was 8-0 to zero win over Prairie View A&M. Just not even a game, honestly. It was just a beatdown. And then round two got the oh, Princeton, yes, got the dub over Princeton with the Messiah Bright hat trick. So that was super clutch to see. And she was just insane all year. I mean, she was the lone All-American for the Frogs this year. Basically was a part of every awards list and accolade you can think of. She was all region. She was all Big 12 first team. She was a Matt Herman Trophy semifinalist, which is basically like the Heisman Trophy for women's soccer. So she was just phenomenal all season. And then... That put us in the Sweet 16 against Rutgers where, man, that was a hell of a game. We were down 1-0 to for the majority of it. Got an 84th-minute goal to tie things up. Super clutch. I was like, here we go. We're doing it. We're clutching it. Game goes to penalty kicks. It takes three rounds of sudden death in penalty kicks. And we fall and Rutgers advances. It was a brutal way to lose, but... You know, full credit to to the team out there. Everybody just played phenomenal. Already mentioned a few, but Lauren Collette, another one who had huge shoes to fill after Emily Alvarado left for the French League, like literally one of the biggest leagues in playing for Stade de Reigns. And Collette had a hell of a season. She was one of the best goalkeepers in the country, not only the Big 12. So uh, that penalty shootout, she made, I think, two saves in it. And or one save at least, but that's really all you need from a keeper is to make one save in a PK shootout. It just didn't go their way. So tough, tough way to end another great, great year for TC soccer. Yeah. And, and I think uh big credit to, I guess the uh, ESPN plus showed a lot of these games so people could watch them and, you know, credit, credit to you and the, the frogs of war folks, you know, tweeting games and covering games. I, I think the the TCU soccer team really got a lot of a lot of shine this season. Certainly well deserved, and 
made a lot of a lot of fans across uh, the T- TCU fan base. Um, so excited to see what they have coming next year. And and you know, uh, over the last few years, the, the university's really put a lot of attention on the the team as well. You know, kind of redoing that stadium. It's it's got it's a beautiful stadium out there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of excitement for, for that soccer team. And, and I think Messiah Bright's next back next season. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, look out. It's, she's a legit superstar. So. I will never forget that she's coming back because I did, I was writing like a, a feature profile on her for one of my classes and I was interviewing her and I was like, you know, Messiah, like, finishing up your senior year like what's one thing you know you're gonna remember most about the day? and she was like well i'm coming back next year and i'm like oh well, okay news scoop <laughs> sources say yeah i was like oh okay sweet like great so yeah she's back for another year chaylen hubbard i believe is also coming back uh so a couple of the seniors are coming back as grad students um so that's good to see and honestly not really losing any like major pieces i think there's one or two i'm blanking off the top of my head but uh go check out one of the graces i think grace collins transferred yes yeah yeah there were like four graces and yeah grace collins was was, she's really good yeah Yeah, she was a stud so uh she transferred i forget where to but yeah so she's one of the two frogs that we're losing but Again, after bringing in like six freshmen last offseason, Eric Bell's bringing in six or eight more. So it's going to be interesting to see who kind of breaks into that starting lineup because last year you saw like Cameron Lancaster and Ollie Pena kind of started as, you know, fresh legs, energy off the bench after like 30, 40 minutes. But Cameron Lancaster quickly found her way into the starting lineup and was just dominant after that. So. All right, and then moving on. Also, yeah, go check out on Frogs War. Got a uh, a full recap, a little bit more in detail about all the players, all the accolades, and everything. But anyway, next up we got TCU Rifle, who just are who just won. I guess not just. It was a little bit while back, but they are now defending national champions in the air rifle competition and finished as runners up for the second straight year in the overall team championship. But, hey, a national title is a national title, and they got another one. Uh, the rifle team has just been absolutely nuts. Chris and Hemphill, Stephanie Grunzo, probably the MVPs of the team. Uh, just looking, you know, at the stat sheets, they're, they shoot at a ridiculous rate. They're just so consistent. All of their scores rank amongst the top 20 in the country. They're shooting at least an 1180 every competition. Uh, they played really well in nationals at, at the national championships. They both shot some of the two of the top 10 aggregate scores. So uh, I think in the championship, they finished third in small bore, first in air rifle, and second overall. So not too shabby for the rifle team. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a blue blood. I mean, this, this yeah. is, uh, this is, <laughs> we, we are rifle you. This is, this is, probably the best program on campus. So. Yeah, like you see tweets about a rifle school. It's not a joke, man. We are a rifle school. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> I, I, yeah, nobody is saying that as a joke. That is exactly. that is legit. And and yeah, it's, you know, it's always fun to, to see like, oh, you've got Air Force and Army and, you know, and, <laughs> and TCU are the, are, you know. So it's like, oh, these are, 
the the women's rifle team and it's it's a co-ed sport right i mean yeah, i think i think it, it's an actual against... it's an actual co-ed sport but it's yeah the the tcu team is is all women so uh it's there are several i think really like impressive five there may be more than five but i know there's like five or so that are one like 100 all women but like west virginia for example west virginia is also you know really good at rifle they're usually a top 10 top five team uh they're co-ed and you know TC beats them on a regular basis. So yeah, they, they send their mascot out there as one of the <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, dude. But yeah, so head coach Karen Munoz has just been an absolute force for the rifle team. She's had nothing but success in her time in Fort Worth and has also produced 13 Olympians. This rifle team has. So just absolute domination uh wouldn't be surprised if next year that runner-up turns into overall team champions because they've already got three of them so why not add another one and the next up we got beach volleyball on the list who man it just seems like all these teams had great seasons they beach volleyball ended their year in the elite eight were top five for the majority of the season they beat a lot of really good teams and it seemed like they had a really good shot at the national title but you know kind of just one of those things didn't go their way on that day so yeah once you get into the tournament kind of anything can happen but they you know earned the number two overall seed in the in the ncaa championship and you know won won uh, won their first match and got into the double elimination round and didn't make it out but um incredibly impressive season from them i mean pretty dominant all the way through i think they lost like three games all season um and and dominated their conference um played all of the top teams across the country and and really competed at the highest level um you know all americans all the entire conference uh awards list uh, is was basically entirely TCU players and coaches, and um, so again, another another program at, at, at TCU just competing at the highest level and and taking down the competition and just coming up short when it when it got to the postseason. Yeah, and it's also kind of cool to see. Like, obviously, I'm I don't have any vast knowledge on beach volleyball. I'm not going to be able to provide any super deep analytical anecdotes but you know it's cool because i've had a few friends from out of town you know they'll come on campus and they'll be like why do you guys have a like beach volleyball course i'm like because we had a team they're like in texas you have a beach volleyball team i'm like yeah yeah we're really freaking good at it too like so kind of cool that a sport that's meant to be played by the beach can uh be dominated in landlocked for yeah in landlocked for worth yeah it's just i don't know just shows that tcu can just be good at everything i guess we're just like that. We're just like that. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, next up, another Elite Eight appearance uh, in another sport. Men's tennis had a hell of a year. Uh, indoor national champions. They may, had a hell of a run as well in the NCAA outdoor tournament. Uh, were one of the top five teams for the majority, if not all of the year. Uh, ended up falling to Kentucky in the Elite Eight and it's tough, again, because I feel like we've said this with a few sports, but it's kind of just one of those things, you know, one of those days where stuff happens and they 
lost what was i think they lost four sets to three right yep yeah yeah it came down to the last right at the very end so yeah again number one overall seed in, in the tournament and pretty much rolled through the tournament and in, into that sweet 16 uh and w- when when things moved to champaign illinois and off of campus sites and and yeah i mean just it's 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 a tough one um, to to get that far into the elite eight and 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 fall there, but um, absolutely huge season for them. I mean, had several of the doubles teams were were ranked all season. Uh, Famba and Fernley were ranked number one uh, going into the into the doubles tournament. You had like three or four make the uh, make the singles tournament. Just a, a really strong team, top to bottom, and and yeah, it just goes to show how difficult these these championships are to to capture. That you can have an elite squad of of super talented, high level um, performers, and and still run into to a team that that can take you down uh, once you hit a tournament. I know Kentucky reached the final, right, against Florida. Virginia. Yeah. Okay, yes, Virginia. Who yeah, won that? Which, <clears throat> Virginia. Uh, and we beat them, yep. <laughs> yeah, TCU defeated Virginia twice during the season. I think once in the indoor, once in the outdoor. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so they ended up as the national champion. It very obviously could have been TCU uh, lifting that trophy at the end, but. Yeah. I mean, hey, they got one already. They had to they had to share the wealth, you know. They got the indoor title, had to let somebody else have the fun. But no, I mean, other than Virginia, too, they were like just going through the list, beat number one Florida at the beginning of the season. They beat number 15 Ole Miss, number 17 Mississippi State, number 13 Texas, number one Ohio State, number three Tennessee, number 25 UCLA, number four Baylor, number eleven Texas again. Like they they were beating good teams all year. So any given, I think if they play that tournament a hundred times, TCU lifts the trophy, you know, at least a solid percentage of those times. So one of those things, but all right. And then last, but certainly not least, we have men's track and uh, really the highlight there is Dumapaya getting the gold in the triple jump and also just kind of stacking his already awesome career as a horn frog. So I can't lie. Don't have anything major on track. To yeah. Into. And, and we, we talked about Mapai last week. Of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, he's legend. a legend. He'll be yeah. in the hall of fame. He's, you know, that's an all time great horn frog. So uh, finishing off his, his career with the, with a gold um, in, in the NCAA championships is uh, it's just a great icing on top. Yeah. And also I believe, in the Big 12 uh, meet, the Frogs finished with three gold medals and three bronze medals, I believe it was. So we have a, we have a piece about that up on the site as well. All righty. And just overall, I guess, because we've kind of – I don't think we're missing any sports, are we? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we didn't talk about indoor women's volleyball, um, which, yeah. you know, we, we did just have um, – the the right up, up. Uh, the, yeah. the recap is out on on the website there. So, uh, disappointing season that uh, saw longtime head coach um, let go. So, yeah, not a not a successful season there. Um, 
women's basketball, similarly, not, not a big, not a great season, disappointing. Um, I think had, had some exciting moments, but, and, and the big 12 is a, a really tough place to play uh, women's basketball. Um, a yeah, lot of elite, exactly. a, a lot of elite teams in, in the big 12, but um, TCU women's basketball didn't have a great season. So we didn't talk about them. I mean, they've had um, their ups over the past few years, but yeah, this year was definitely not. It was a them. down. It was a down year. Um, I think that's the big ones. I'm sure we're missing something. I'm sure somebody will uh, will hit us in the comments and, and yell at us for not talking enough about something or other. Club uh, hockey or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, hey, club hockey. You're, yeah, out. you're your ultimate frisbee team. We need to hear about your. Uh, oh yeah. We need hey, a I full mean, recap of. Uh, Hey, we did make uh we did make the regionals tournament for the first time in the last decade. There so. you go. See yeah. this. And then we got creamed. Oh. <laughs> and then we got creamed there. But all righty. So just now that we've kind of gone through majority, hopefully all of the sports. Uh looking back, what would you say kind of like some of your favorite moments from this athletic season as a whole were? Yeah, the the number one most memorable moment that that will probably look back in years from this season and say, remember this happening is definitely the Shagrack banks interception against Baylor uh, to, to beat Baylor in in the first game without Gary Patterson and uh, you know, take down that, that big rivalry game and uh, obviously a very good Baylor team. So, you know, and, and I'm glad we talk about most of all of the other sports, but, football rules the day and that's going to be the thing that for the most part frog fans are going to look back at at this calendar season uh and and i think that'll be as a moment as an individual that moment as that happened people are going to remember where they were when they heard it or heard about it or you know in the stadium saw it happen so that that would be my picture it so vividly like just even right now yeah on the 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 Brian Estridge call on the the radio call is and uh, uh there it, it's perfect it's i need to go find it and like retweet it somewhere cuz it's it's perfect and you know you, you got like a Shadrach Meshach and Abednego bible joke in there about like rising from the fire it was great it was they, <laughs> it was like they had they had the whole script planned out it was uh but yeah it's just a a perfect exciting football moment I think that definitely is probably takes the crown. Uh, if I had to say one, my favorite probably overall was just beating Kansas in general in basketball at home. And like, you know, we had the Barstool Storm Chasers, which for those that are unfamiliar, it's literally like a podcast and show or not even a podcast, like a social media where they just literally go around college basketball arenas where they see upset potential like they're just chasing a storm, like a store or court storming. They chose TCU. It worked out. They got the dub. And so I just remember rushing the court. I was literally just like in the circle with like Eddie and Mike Miles. And then the Barstool guys are just like dancing and everybody's like, hey, hey. <laughs> so that was, that was just a ton of fun. Uh, definitely one of my favorite memories overall, just watching TCU athletics as a student. But from this year as well. And then uh, probably just sticking on basketball. Another one just had to be winning, winning the tournament game, like just getting that win, being like, you know, like we did it, you know, like, wow, we really did it. So that was really cool as well. 
Yeah, and, and the the two tournament games being able to have one where it's like a, a clean dominant yes. blowout victory, and then having one that's like an, an all time great exciting game, probably one of the best games of the whole tournament. Uh, I'd know, say so, unfortunately yeah. losing the game, but but still to to be able to have that experience in the tournament is is uh, those bogus refs, man. Oh man! <laughs> but yes, no, I, I see what you're saying. It was it was sweet, and then a couple other maybe we got soccer Big Twelve title game that was pretty sweet. Getting that game winner against UT, almost like poetic justice after they were one of the two teams uh, in conference that TCU couldn't best in the regular season. So nice to avenge that there, and also Garrett Wright in Oklahoma State. Yeah, that that was the other one I threw on there as just like winning that series in Stillwater against you know that they were like number four in the country at that time and and Garrett Wright two days in a row uh, with with strikeouts to to close out the game and basically that's what ended up giving TCU that the Big Twelve title for the regular season uh, to be able to win those two games so. Hugely important. Probably nobody's going to look back and be like, oh, remember that time? I think probably it's going to be remember that time we gave up the lead in the ninth inning to Texas A&M. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, but yeah. Uh, hey, we still got the hardware, though. But but hardware. yeah, I mean, you know, getting being able to, to get those big wins and, and get the title for the season is uh, is good. Yeah. And I got an honorable mention. It's uh, not necessarily super serious, but. Sonny Dyke's helicopter intro into Amon G. Carter had to be one of the best moments just because it was kind of like, oh, this is this is really how we're doing it. Like, okay, like I remember it's, being it's gonna be stadium. a show from now. It's it's we're no longer you know waiting in the shadows. We're we're putting on a show now. Yep, yeah. I remember being in the stadium, we're like, man, like this is supposed to start like 20 minutes ago, and then all of a sudden a helicopter, and we're like, surely not. Like, no, that can't be. And then it's getting closer. We're like, no way. So it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah. And also you have any, I guess, not favorite moments, but like, whoa moments that you're kind of like, oh, hey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just like this because as memorable, it's not maybe not important or didn't lead to anything important, but like, man, remember that time that TCU baseball beat Kansas (laughs) 30 to three? in Lawrence and Porter Brown hit two home runs with 10 RBIs hitting at the nine hole spot. Like that's, that's kind of an an all time, like, uh, I don't know, trivia. Yeah. Which, which sport did, uh, you beat Kansas 30 to three. Yeah. Football or baseball. No, I remember seeing that. That was like on national news and everything. Like everybody was talking about like, yo, chill out TCU, like calm down. But it was cool. Yeah, and then my other one is just the probably the the highlight of the year, the the number one like uh, Sports Center top ten highlight uh, is Quentin Johnston just mossing the the Oklahoma secondary in the end zone, catching that touchdown pass and just like stomping on their grave and like pushing them down <laughs> too small, you're too short, and, and oh man, just th- that he didn't get thrown a flag for that. I guess I don't I don't know if like. <laughs> the referees were standing right there. Like they were, he was yeah. like, <laughs> uh, just shows, uh, the talent that he has and he'll, he'll, you know, this, this will probably be the last season that, that we get to see, uh, 
Quentin Johnston in in college football. So so Probably. certainly enjoy it because uh, he he very well could be a first round draft pig uh, yeah. come next next spring. Yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised either. But honestly, yeah, I can't really think of any others just off the top of my head. I think those are mostly the the baseball being Kansas thirty to three. It was just like seriously, like really, yeah. Alrighty though, and then it's up to you. I'll leave this up to you. Do we want to go through the superlatives? Yeah, I know we're already at we're already at uh, over an hour here. I think again, we can probably we can cut it here. We can allow people to uh, enjoy the rest of their day. Uh, I'm sure they're ready to you know hop off the treadmill or whatever it is they're doing listening to this. So uh, yeah, we can, we can okay. come back to this. Uh, yeah. We can come back to this next week. We did get the big chunk that we've yeah, been we, kind of. We hit the recap. We've we yeah. got the recap in. We're going to continue to hit all you guys with the recaps on the website. Yeah. Uh, the the deep dives um, through through each of the sports. So keep a keep a lookout for that and. Uh, yeah, I think I think we'll hit superlatives and, and maybe we'll come up with some fun things uh, to, to talk to add to this superlative list for next week. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, because right now we have mostly kind of, you know, more serious stuff like most improved MVPs. So we'll probably add some some funky stuff like, I don't know, funniest quote of the year or like stuff like that just from all across TCU athletics. So I guess, hey maybe these teasers aren't so much of a bad thing, you know, it keeps them coming back, you know, like, Hey guys, stay on your toes. Cause next week we'll be talking about this someday. We've got to deliver though. All right. Yeah. All right. well, <laughs> so next week, that is the plan. We're going through starting with our superlatives and then whatever other, you know, TCU news pops up in the, in the rumor mill. We'll be talking about that, but yeah, like Anthony said, go check out the site. We got our recaps rolling out as well as just our normal news every so often. So Yeah, that's all we got for this week. Appreciate everybody for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Go Go Frogs. Frogs.